What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Motor City Hoops, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Knuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Thunderous Applause, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera. Welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Joining me today is David Ramil. David is the host of the Locked On Heat podcast, of the part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where he provides coverage on the Miami Heat after every game. What's up, David? Uh, just hanging in there. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, it's, it's been a, a rough week for the Heat, but uh, I, I'm glad to be here and have a chance to talk about the team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's just get it out of the way. The Heat went winless this week, starting with a very entertaining first game, but ultimately a loss. It was the Heat Sixers game one. It is worthy. It is. We have to note that only eight players were available for Miami, and the starting lineup consisted of Gabe, Gabe Vincent, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Princess Achua, and Kelly Olynyk. And yeah, this was a really fun game. Uh, David, some thoughts before we dive into this game in particular. Well, it was just we were so unprepared for this because over the weekend we had heard about Avery Bradley being the first Heat player to possibly contract COVID-19. There has been no confirmation about that from the team because the team just does not let that kind of information out into the public. It's strongly suspected that he is the first player to contract it within the Heat, at least this season. And then as a result... Then there was all the health and safety protocols that the NBA has initiated, which forced all these players to miss a significant amount of time. And obviously, they're not available. Even some of them won't be available for the ex- upcoming week. So we were really unprepared for this. And although the Sixers matchup seemed like it was an interesting one on paper, it turned out to be much worse than we actually thought. And as far as the team on Tuesday in that first matchup against the Sixers, it, it looked like they actually – we're playing as well as you could possibly imagine. Like for a, a group that has not had a lot of time to play well together, they mesh really well. It seemed like they were balanced. They got some really nice performances from players that don't generally get a lot of playing time. So I was looking forward and curious to see how long or how long it would take before they would start playing together as a group. But they did so almost immediately. Yeah, two things stood out to me in this game. It was our starting backcourt, Tyler Hero and Gabe Vincent. The Gabe Vincent really surprised me. I think, well, people are starting to jump on the Gabe Vincent bandwagon. He Twitter, but he was outstanding in this game. He looked very confident. He he looked like he belonged out there. And Tyler Hero was, wow, he surprised me given his struggles in the first few games of the season when he played point guard. But 
as I said in, my, in some previous episodes, I advocated for patience for him since this is a guy that's only what, barely 20 years old and he's just learned to play the point guard position in the NBA at the starting level. So it was really encouraging to see him play this way against a good Sixers team. This is a good, uh, this was a team that's a really good defensive team and I, re- I was really in- encouraged to see these those two guys play well. Let's dive into the game in particular. Miami's first shots were all threes, and there was some there was some early signs. The first half, Embiid was not as engaged, but there were some early signs, particularly in the first few possessions, where Embiid was easily backing down Precious and drawing fouls, and just basically doing whatever he wanted with him. And that's something that I've that's that I've said that Precious should improve on, maybe. Now, during the season and during next offseason, he should pack on some pounds in order to hang with those other bigs on the league. In the league, mm-hmm. what do you say, David? I don't. I'm not so sure about that. Like, I feel that he's going to get stronger because we kind of tend to overlook. Like, you see him physically, and he's already so impressive at this age. But he's also young. Like, the expectation for Tyler is that he's really skinny, and he's supposed to put on more weight. And with Precious being as built as he already is. I don't think people tend to think about that as much, but I, I feel like he'll probably put on some weight and get stronger as he continues to age. But I I just don't see him ever being the kind of bulky defender that's going to match up with a guy like Embiid. I mean, we're talking about a player that's basically you know seven feet tall plus and weighs over you know two hundred and fifty pounds. I, I don't know that there are many players like him in the league right now, so I don't think you have to worry about that as much. And for Precious, it seems like he's going to be more. A player that uses his his athleticism and his speed and quickness and explosive athleticism in order to be a good defender. Oh yeah, absolutely. What I meant was that maybe he could put a little bit more strength to his frame so that he can at least hang with him. Because at least, as we saw in the Pelicans game, even in the Pelicans game Christmas Day, Stephen Adams pushed him around and Zion lit a little bit, but his quickness stood out and he was really effective guarding Zion, particularly mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. But against Embiid, listen, Embiid is what one of the strongest players in the league. He's he, as you said, he's a physical anomaly, and there are probably very few players that could actually hang with him in the post and the paint. So, yeah, Bam is one of them. You know, he's one of the few. Yeah, exactly. So, I, and he wasn't available in this game. So, I guess we should cut Precious some slack. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, Miami started shooting one for six from three, which seems, which seems low. But then they picked it up in the later on in the game, and they ended up shooting very well from from D. We'll discuss that later. Green, they, Danny Green was outstanding in this game. He reminded me a bit of the 2013 and 2014 NBA Finals Danny Green, where he was just basically making everything. Did that did that take you back a while back, David? Uh, yeah, I, I tried not to think about the 2014 season too much, finals too much, but yes, it was painfully reminiscent of that. I, I think a, a career high for Danny Green, right from behind yeah. the arc. Yeah, twenty nine points. He was outstanding that game, but we he wasn't the most outstanding Sixers player in that game because well, Joel Embiid basically the spirit of Hakeem Olajuwon overtook him in the second half and. He just killed Miami in that third quarter. Uh, yeah, that was that was strange, right? To see a player, and I guess this is a mark of a great player, is that when they're they, when they feel like they can turn it up a notch, that they're able to do so. And there really was no answer from him. I, I don't know if 
you know, we like to think of Bam as being a really great defender because he is. But when Joel is playing as well as he does, I don't know that that's going to make – I don't know who can defend him when he's like that because he's so big and he has such a nice touch from outside and he can do so much around the basket when he's feeling motivated and is fully in his bag and using all of his tricks – it's hard to stop somebody like that. Almost impossible, I'd say. And he was he was making perimeter shots. He right. was he was backing down players. He was getting to the post to his preferred spots. He was basically unstoppable in the third quarter, really. Yeah. And as I wrote in my notes, nobody on this current team with the eight available players could guard and beat effectively. But as we all know, there are very few players that can actually guard and beat effectively if he's fully engaged. Or if he's fully engaged, he's one of the ten best players in the league, I would say. Yes. But, yeah, in that first half, he wasn't as engaged. And that allowed Miami f- to go up on Philly. And something I noticed, in the, at least in the, in, during the game, the Sixers were overplaying Tyler Hero on the perimeter, and he took advantage of that, and he started driving to the basket. Something that of note this season, Tyler Hero shooting, I believe it was around 70% around the rim when he was driving to the basket, which is a higher percentage than Ben Simmons. So I think that's a really encouraging sign, seeing him improve his finishing around the rim, and that will certainly help this Heat offense in the future and his development as a player in the future, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he has so many ways of scoring now already, and for him to be able to finish at such a high level, you have to resp- you have to kind of recognize the threat. And, and I recall, like, even Goran Dragic, when he, he was younger and at the peak of his career, back to his Phoenix days, and even early on when he was first with Miami, he could score at the rim so well because he just had such great timing. He was so precise about where he was laying the ball up, and he had such a nice bag of tricks himself. And, and it was just very impressive to see that Tyler, already at 20 years old, has this kind of skill. Yeah, I, it's really encouraging, and I'm I am really excited to see where he goes in the future with his scoring. The, yeah. qu- the first quarter ended, well, my Scott in the first quarter decided to kill us, and the, <laughs> but the quarter ended on a 9-1 to heat run, and to, but Philly was still up 28-25. to Moving on to the second quarter, there was some, some really interesting things going on. Miami was excellent when Embiid was out, and the uh, they started to attack the paint. The three started falling, and the Sixers suddenly could not generate offense with Embiid off the floor. Simmons, in particular, in this game was really passive. He had 12 assists, but he only had five points, and he had two shot attempts. So that is something that should concern Sixers fans. Well, it was right. It was a day before the James Harden to Brooklyn trade was finalized. So I think, honestly, I think that was a big part of it. Like it, it was weighing on him. That it almost seemed like a ninety percent chance that he would be sent to Houston in exchange for James Harden, and you know we tend to kind of think that these players are professionals and they'll be able to fight their way through it and things of that sort. But I, I don't know that that's always the case. And you know, knowing that you're an all-star with the Sixers and that you're seen locally and by the team as as one of the building blocks for the franchise, but at the same time, you got a new general manager, you need to get a new coach. Yeah, maybe maybe you're not their guy, and then all of a sudden they're willing to trade you for an established superstar like Harden. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it weighs on you as a person because you're one day you're living in Philly, and you think you're going to be there for the foreseeable future, and then there's a very real chance that tomorrow you wake up and you have to get on a plane to go to Houston and, and practice and report to a different team. That will certainly weigh on you as a as a person. 
But, well, good for Ben Simmons, I guess, because a trade happened this week and James Harden got sent to Brooklyn, which we'll talk about later after we finish discussing the three games that he played tonight. The, this week, sorry. The Gabe Vincent was outstanding in the second quarter. He had 12 points in the quarter. And Miami went up to the half, 50-43 to 43 off an Olenek 3. Something discouraging for the Heat, which has been a prevalent theme throughout the entire, throughout the small sample size that we had of a season, but still concerning nonetheless. 10 first half turnovers for Miami. And they ended up with 19, I believe, during for the game. Miami's currently ranked 29th in the NBA in turnovers per game. They're basically tied with the Bulls for last place at over 18 turnovers per game. I have said previously, David, that it's really surprising to see a an Eric Spolster team and this and a Miami team that's so tend to be so disciplined be so careless with the ball during during the season. Are you surprised or are you concerned? Do you think they can fix this? I'm I'm not concerned. I think they can fix it, and it's just been a lot that's weighing on them. I I feel like their offense is so pass-friendly and they're going to be sharing the ball as much as possible. And right now, as he's incorporating... I mean, it feels like every game is a new starting lineup. And so that just doesn't allow this team to build the kind of chemistry that it should. And and you think to the number of games that Jimmy has missed, like he's played a total of four games, I want to say. And, you know, he is the lead ball handler when he's out on the floor. Right now, yes... Tyler is playing the quote-unquote point guard. But between Jimmy and Bam, they're going to be handling the ball much more. Tyler's handling it a lot. And, and so that's, you know, it, it just hasn't allowed them to build the kind of chemistry that we saw from them last year. I, I get the feeling that once this team, if this team gets fully healthy and they get all these players back for a prolonged period of time, it should be able to resolve itself fairly quickly. Something to note in that second quarter, and also I read the notes wrong, I, I uh, Miami went up 63-55 to the half. But Miami went, made, sorry, seven threes in the quarter, in that second quarter. And that's what propelled them to that eight-point lead to end the half. As I mentioned before, MB was fully disengaged, especially in that second quarter. Miami, there was a position where Miami tripled him, teamed him, and he didn't know what to do. He couldn't find the outlet guy, so he just turned it over, and Miami took advantage of that. Miami made 12 threes in the first half, and that was that was a calm before the storm of the third quarter. David, some do you have some something to say about that first half of the first Sixers game? It was nice to see everybody playing as well. Again, I I feel for a new group with so many players that just didn't hadn't had a lot of real experience as a starter. Uh, you know, Gabe Vincent in particular, I thought he played pretty well, and, and it was just nice to see that group find a way to play well and, and they were able to take advantage of, of opportunities when they had them you know considering Simmons was playing somewhat timidly and Embiid was not playing fully engaged Miami did a, a fairly good job in that first half it was encouraging to say the least yeah that first half was the was the best that that group of, of guys specifically the let's call them the ragtag team of, of the Miami Heat they looked really well in that first half however well here comes the third quarter Green Single-handedly kept filling the game until Embiid just decided to come back, I guess, to play. He was already suited up, but I guess he wasn't actually playing. So Embiid looked energized. He looked like he had a he he had an extra step, and he started to kill Precious Achua. 
he scored three straight times in a in a span in the second, in the third quarter and Embiid I said I wrote down here in my notes that it looks like Embiid finally figured out that nobody on this current Heat team can guard him effectively nobody can even hang with him so Philly closed the gap Miami inevitably cooled off and Embiid went perfect from the field and was perfect from the field at one point in the quarter and Philly was in the midst of a 15 to nothing run Embiid scored 18 in that quarter Kelly Kelly helped out he made a three but the turnover started to pile up for Miami they had 14 up to that point and something that I noted that the the offense was the offense was pretty good in this game but precious as it's expected, is having would had a little bit of trouble handling the Robinson picking handoffs because, as we all know, that's Bam and, and Duncan's specialty. They, they say that they basically spam that that pick and handoff until the defense slips up and then they make him pay. David, do you think that I would I would really like to see Precious handling the Robinson picking handoffs because then you can have two big men in the in the elbows of the paint handling those type of handles and it just opens up the offense because then the the defense has to worry about two playmaking bigs on the floor at the same time don't you think oh absolutely i mean it's never it's never a bad thing to have too much versatility and playmaking out there which is a big part of i didn't expect precious to be able to handle that as well but he's got his timing not perfectly but he's he's further along than i expect him to be and for him to be able to work so well with Duncan is a good sign. And, you know, whether or not Spo changes his starting lineup again, maybe he takes Duncan out or if he brings Duncan late in games when Bam might be in foul trouble, you can run your same offense when Precious is out there. So I, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see Precious start to handle that type of offense and understand it and make the proper reads. And it will, it will be really exciting to see. Green, as we mentioned, he decided to make every three that game. Kelly kept us in the game during that time. And B, when B came out of the game, I thought that, that he could actually retake the game because, as we as I noted, in the third quarter when Embiid was in the game, he, that he could absolutely do nothing to stop him. So when he came out, I thought that they might, that they would, would take control or at least take a small lead and they closed the gap and the quarter ended 96-95 in favor of Philly. Achua struggling a bit struggled a bit in the paint and that and that ha- during the game he had to handle Dwight Howard and he had to handle Joel Embiid so I'm pretty sure he was I'm sure he was pretty bruised after that game and uh, and he grabbed a lot of rebounds but the offensive rebounding was not up to the defensive rebound I should say it was not up to par for them for Miami and it hasn't been all season long we currently rank I believe last in the NBA in offensive rebounds per game at just around seven offensive rebounds per game which is not good really yeah anyway David some final thoughts on the third quarter before we move to the fourth and over uh, no I mean nothing really stood out there it's just uh, you know Embiid playing as well as he did and, and uh, taking advantage of the moment there. And I think for that group, as inexperienced as they were, they kind of just got punched a little bit and they weren't sure exactly how to respond, but they, they eventually figured it out. Yeah. 
Now here comes the fourth quarter, which was crazy, to say the least, at least that ending. So to start off the fourth quarter, Miami gave up three straight offensive rebounds to Dwight Howard. And I, I, for, I forgot who the other player was. So Spo put Chris Silva in in order to maybe give Precious some rest and put a bit of energy into the into the game. Precious is an energy guy, but he was, you know, he he was a bit rattled given how the third quarter went for him, and then Dwight Howard basically grabbing every rebound off of him. So Chris Silva and he made a he made a positive contribution. Chris Silva did. So. Green made back-to-back threes, which gave him nine for the game up to that point. And Philly went up 108-98. to Embiid came in, but Simmons went out. So the perimeter defense for the, for the Sixers weakened a bit in that, in that sense, given that Ben Simmons has been outstanding defending the perimeter this season. Miami had 16 turnovers up to that point. Silva grabbed an offensive rebound, which is something that Miami has not done very well. Silva again grabbed another offensive rebound. And then we saw Tyler Hero started to punish the, the drop coverage that Embiid showed him. And the Sixers started to show him because they saw how well he was driving to the rim. So we all know that Tyler's a shooter. He's a really good outside outside shooter. So it was really encouraging to see him read the, the, the coverage and take advantage of that. David, do you like what you saw from Chris Silva in this quarter? You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's with Chris. It's always tough to really evaluate because I mean, it seems like he picks up a foul almost immediately, and uh, you know, he's still so po- unpolished. You know, which is strange considering you know, Precious, who's younger than Chris Silva, shows much more finesse as far as his ability to handle the ball and finish around the rim. But but Silva does provide great energy, so it's always. It's always a challenge to see what kind of version of Silva you're going to get. But so far in the last couple of games that he's played, the energy has been high, as you can expect. And he's been mostly effective. So good to see him out there, at least. Yeah. Uh, Silva is more like the type of energy guy that you can put in spurts. But if you leave him on too long, then he'll start making some mistakes, start picking up silly fouls. And then that's when you can get in trouble. But yeah. it, was, it was good to see him, at least for a short period of time. Tyler Hero... He was outstanding in that in the fourth quarter he scored. He had twelve points up to that to the point where they tied the game at one fifteen. And Hero found Precious for, for a beautiful lob. Miami led by four with under a minute left. And Hero stole the ball. He drew a foul. And it looked like the Heat were gonna win the game. Then just it's really funny because I have the in my notes, I say, really impressed by Tyler in these last few games, but tonight specifically, he has looked more assertive and has taken smart shots and decisions. And then he just went and turned it over, and Philly had a chance to tie, which they did. However, after that, Miami got hosed by an awful no call. B clearly carried the ball, and Spo called the. He challenged the call. I thought he. I thought he was challenging the carry, but then I heard the announcer say that he could not challenge that, and he was challenging whether Kelly did commit a foul or not. But the refs could not reverse their no call on the MB carry, so and MB and Kelly did commit the foul. So MB tied the game with four seconds to go. 
did, and I was really excited to see what Spo would draw up after the timeout because we still got had a chance to win. And if they had won that game at the last second, I think that it would have been huge for this group of players, given that they're so young and they're clearly without their probably their three best players in Goran, Bam, and, and Jimmy. So that's really tight. I was really excited to see what he came up with, but the play got busted and Kelly had to throw a prayer. So we went to our first overtime of the season, which we really did well at last season, but unfortunately not this time. Final thoughts on the fourth quarter, David. I was a little surprised at how upset everybody was regarding the uh, the Embiid carry. I, I just maybe I've been at this for too long, but I, I'm at a point where I, I tend not to worry about referees and blown calls because I feel like that's a really tough job. I have to admit, and I feel. Like there are always blown calls all game long, and and they do their best that they possibly can. And yeah, I know sometimes you just get really excited and pissed off, and you you see them make a, a bad call or miss a call. And I was I was a little surprised to see Heat fans think that that was the reason why. Like considering that they had blown this lead and that they had just allowed Embiid to dominate them in the second half, that it comes down to one play. It should never come down to one play. Oh, and I know absolutely. that. Yeah, and, and Spo says the same thing after, you know, when he does his post-game presser, he doesn't even talk about blown calls or anything like that. Like, officiating is never the issue. It's always effort or something that's been going on all game long, and it's not just – it can never boil down to one play over the course of 48 minutes. Yeah, I guess Heat fans were really upset. I was upset at the time, but as you know, as you said, I started to think, well, I guess – it should never come down to one play because then you're you're putting the you're putting the game on other on another person's hands and yeah. you always want to have the game in your hands. But yeah. if you put the game on the referee's hands and you have a chance to what what happened this game screw you over because he misses a call, which happens. We yeah. they're they're human. And I, another media member uh, always tells me that officiating is like an act of God in the sense that you can't predict when a storm is going to happen. You don't, you don't, you know, plan for it because sometimes these things just happen. And so it's never good to blame it because it's just out of your control. And so for Spo and, and for the Heat, they should focus more about perfecting the things that they can control rather than worrying about one call. Yeah. How about, how about being less sloppy with the ball? I would really right. like that. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I think I guess I guess he Twitter was a bit upset, and I was upset too. But I guess it was just I was really I really thought we could win this game because we were up. Was it what was it four with a couple seconds left, and we blew that game. And that was really and you know, fans sometimes tend to tend to act a bit irrational given when something like this happens, and. I don't blame them because I could get a little bit irrational too. But it's just that we all really love our team and we saw something that could have helped us win the game, but it did not end up happening for us. Anyway, let's go to overtime. The first shot of overtime went to Duncan Robinson and he airballed it. And B started to punish us from the mid-range area again, which if you're guarding Embiid, you want him to take shots from the perimeter. But when he's making them, then you can just basically just you just have to tip your cap at him. And B scored on three straight possessions and he scored and at one point he scored every sixer point in overtime. So and B once again after the third quarter he started to kill us in overtime. Hero had a four point play and he tied the game and Achua gave Miami the lead 
one point. But once again, the defensive boards, they they basically gave up the lead for good. They they basically lost the game on the on the defensive boards because the Sixers grabbed an offensive rebound. They found Dakota Matthias. Is it, that's how you pronounce his name? Yes. Yeah, it, it's it sounds like a made up name, right? I, a lot of people don't know who the player is, and he's, yeah, he's just I, a young guy hasn't got a lot of chances to play. I had never heard of him up until this game. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I admittedly haven't been watching that much Philly basketball this season. Oh, he hasn't been playing much, even when the even if you had been watching every game, you wouldn't have seen a lot out there. So, I mean, they we should point out because we did not mention it before, but the Sixers were facing their own COVID-related issues, and they were missing a couple of key players there, like Matisse Thybul, uh, Seth Curry, and a couple others. So that's oh, yeah. uh, I, a big reason why Matthias was pl- getting some playing time. Yeah, Seth. Seth actually, I believe, was it Seth the one that tested positive in the middle of a game, and they had, yes, and they had to take him out. I don't think yes. that. I think maybe they should they should wait until everybody's test come back comes back before playing the game. Maybe <laughs> I think that would be a good strategy before having a guy that that tested positive for COVID nineteen just mingling around with with other players on the team. You were going to say something, David. I, I was. I mean, it's just so much. You could probably even go out a little further and say maybe there's a good reason not to play any games this season, considering the risks involved. But uh, I, and I don't know. I, I'm, at this point, I just feel like we're just going to see more and more of this all the time. I, I'm not sure what the testing issues are, why it, it turned out to be a late result. I'm not sure if it was inconclusive. I, I I'd have to do a little bit more digging to see if there's anything that's already been reported about that because it's just strange to me that they would put him out there if they didn't have a test result already in because that just seems like you're jeopardizing not just your own you know not just your you know your opponents but your own team as well. I, I don't it doesn't make any sense to me so I'm confused about the whole process. Yeah, well those are some things that the NBA should definitely improve. Anyway, as we said, the as I said, the the Heat lost the game on the defensive boards. Matthias, of all people, he put Philly ahead by two, and Philly never looked back. He, the the well, the Sixers actually fouled Duncan Robinson on a three point attempt. It was the rookie Isaiah Joe. He basically Robinson basically took advantage of of him, and I, I think the the only thing. I believe that Doc Rivers basically instructed them in the time not to foul a three-point shooter, and that's exactly what they did, but Philly got away with it. To recap what Miami did in this game, 19 three-pointers for Miami. They shot an excellent, that was an excellent shooting performance. However, 18 turnovers, 14 offensive rebounds, which is double their season total, but Miami ended up losing by three. Final thoughts on the game, David. A good overall effort. I, I mean, I think a lot of the feeling around this game was it was a moral victory, which obviously that's not something that the team wants to hear and the players don't want to hear. Cause it's kind of it's almost a borderline disrespectful saying, you know, you're not really all that good, but you gave it a great effort. So I, I think you could still take some positives from it. And, and overall, I'd say even though the week did not work out the way you wanted to, you got some players, some opportunities to get some more playing time, and that's just only going to help you down the road. Yeah, I guess. Well, I I never like the same moral victories, but I guess you could call this was as close as you could call a moral victory. But I always I always say, well, here personally, that moral victories are for losers. So 
Yeah. Like, That's like second place is first loser kind of thing. Yeah. But, well, I guess... I guess you could call it a moral victory, but the Miami Heat are not about moral victories. Hey, hoopheads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Speaking of moral victories, the second game was definitely a defeat in the win-loss column and the moral defeat, I would say. The game was demoralizing by the, by the, from the beginning. Miami went down by eight in the first quarter. And Philly never looked back, and it was an absolute blowout. Main takeaways from this game, I, I didn't take a lot of notes because I was I was like, man, what, 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 about, what about this game? Just... Hero got injured, and as soon as he got injured, we all knew that it was over because he was our primary scorer when with Bam, Gorin, and Jimmy out. And yeah, 20 turnovers again. And 12 three-pointers, which is all right. David, what do you have to say about this game that could be taken away as a positive? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. Um, I don't have any. I, I honestly, I just feel like... I've almost largely forgotten the game in total because it was just so uneventful. And it was – you kind of hope to see in the first quarter whether or not this was going to be a, a little bit more competitive the way it was the previous game. But given that they welcomed back a number of key players too, like Tybal and others, you knew that Philadelphia was going to have a clear advantage there just in terms of overall talent and um, comfort level. You know, this was the day after the hardened trade, so – you knew you were going to get a better version of Simmons too. It, it just it it boded well. I mean, boded poorly for for the the Heat almost right away, as you mentioned. So I, I didn't expect them to actually be able to pull out a, a victory there. I was hoping they'd keep it close. And once that lead continued to blow out, you just saw their faces. They just they didn't have it. You know, it, it's got to be so much a use of energy to try and maintain that edge when you don't have that talent too. And unless you're getting everybody to play better than they ever have before you're just not going to be able to compete and you have to give the Sixers credit like maybe maybe they haven't looked great for a consistent amount of time this season but no team has other than the Lakers really but yeah. they're a good team they they are a title contending team they two they do have two all-star level talents and they have other great role players around them but Miami just they didn't have enough to compete with them on Thursday yeah i i i can't add any more to what you just said I believe we should just move on. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, here's a game that all was was also unremarkable, but I think this is the game where a lot of Heat Twitter is starting to hit the panic button. That's why oh, yeah. I, I called it the panic rises, <laughs> the the game because I certainly I started to get I officially started to get worried about this team with yesterday's game. Let's start with the first quarter. Bam and Gorn were back, which I thought 
boded really well for us because we were facing probably the worst team in the NBA. They hadn't won a road game all season long. And I believe the team was going to be re-energized with, with, some, with most of their key guys back. Still no Butler or Bradley, which hurts, especially our perimeter defense, since they are probably two of our best perimeter defenders in the league, in the, in the league, excuse me, in the team. But anyway, Bam and Goran were back. Goran went back to the bench. Vincent started again. But Casey Akpala made his first start. This was his first start, right? I, I'm not missing any, any... No, no, no. He hasn't started. Uh, he started in the preseason against the Toronto Raptors. But other than that, he has not had a start. Yeah, I, was, oh, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, so Casey... Basically, KZ season. He Twitter was really excited about that one. And even the Miami Heat official account, they, they tweeted uh, the hashtag KZ season. The offense much looks much, looked much better with Bam running the elbow action. KC made his first career three, and he basically made every three of the of the game from the corners. He was living off those corner corners. Bam found KC for a beautiful cut to the basket. KC was really good in that in in this game. Well, he scored really well in, in this game, but I wouldn't say exactly really good because. He had some trouble guarding Jeremy Grant in some positions. By the way, Jeremy Grant, outstanding season for him. And the ult- I would say one of the ultimate examples of bet on yourself. I, I really I really like what he's doing this this season. Not to our Miami Heat, but you know, to other teams. Casey had ten quick points in the first quarter, but sloppy offensive possessions galore. They had five turnovers in the early minutes more turnovers and Miami allowed Detroit one of the worst defense one of the worst offensive teams in the league to score 29 points in the first quarter could have been worse because Miami's offense went cold through stretches and the turnovers didn't help but aside from it was something that really concerned me aside from Casey and Bam no other players were basically contributing on the, on the, the game so, yeah, uh, Gabe Vincent went cold there. I mean, he was starting a third straight game, and he just wasn't much of a factor. Yeah, I, it was really discouraging. Anyway, the second quarter, eight turnovers already up to that point for Miami, which is, you know, maybe eight turnovers is a lot is a lot for other teams, but for us, apparently it is not because we averaged around 18 a game. So, yeah, we were still 10 off our, our season average, but we got there. Don't worry. <laughs> the Pistons were Pistons were up ten after Derrick Rose tripped Bam and got a layup. I, I something that I saw in this game, Duncan made some started to pull up in transition and he made mm-hmm. some some of those shots, which is something you know we were used to seeing Duncan come off screens or or, ha- or dribble handoffs, and I was really surprised to see him shoot so the pull up three in transition. Don't you think, David? Yeah, that is uh, not a, a usual part of his offensive repertoire. But I, I think were you just as good a shooter as he is? I've seen him do it in practice before. They, I mean, they put they put them in, in pretty regular drills where you could see that kind of action. But at the same time, it was just nice to see it in game. Yeah, and he he actually made the shots. The offense started to come alive, and the defense defense picked up with Blake and Grant sitting down, which makes sense given that well Blake. Has been a shell of his former self, and that was really evident in this game. I was really, it was really sad because when I, when I was coming up watching the NBA, which was around 2010, 2011, when I was like 12 or when I was like 11 or 12, he was one of my favorite players. 
and yeah, it was really sad seeing him the way he was playing. He was stay, basically staying in the perimeter, or he was just backing down plays. But he was not that athletic freak that he that he was early in his career. Without doubt, yeah, he's just he's not uh, that same kind of player. Like I, you know, the injuries earlier on seemed like he was gonna it was gonna force him to expand his range and become a little bit more of a playmaker, not just rely on you know, running over people on his way to the rim. But now I just don't know that he does either very well. He's just he's just an older player who's getting paid a lot of money to be a okay, you know, contributor on occasion. Yeah, well, maybe his best role at this, at this point of his career is coming off the bench for maybe a contending team, but he's not going to a team like that anytime soon with that salary. So no. he's just going to stay put in Detroit. Miami went on a 12-4 run in, in the second quarter. Duncan dunked which i know he can dunk but he it was a rare sight to see him see him dunk and it was really surprising maybe get the start of duncan robinson to the dunk contest campaign <laughs> good luck uh i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't worry about that one happening to be honest with you <laughs> yeah well duncan again shot it in transition i wrote from the parking lot because that's what it looked like and he made it and it was i was glad to see Again, Duncan shooting different types of shots that we're used to seeing from him. Vincent started to come alive in that quarter. He did a good job in particular in a play using an Achua screen in order to get to the basket. And he made it with the offhand with the left hand. Goran had eight assists in the first half. And he was basically driving our offense. He had a four-point play in, in at one point in the game. The defense started to pick up a bit on Grant and Miami led the game. And I was really encouraged to see, particularly in the first half, because Bam was really aggressive. He led the team in points, 17 points for Bam in the half. And he ended the half with a with a buzzer, which was a mid-range jump shot, plus the foul. And Miami went up 56-52 to 52 in the half. Thoughts, David, before we get to the, to the ugly part of the game? Which... None in particular, but I, I just, I was... As we're recording this, I took opportunity to look up what Blake's contract actually is. Do, do you know how much he's getting paid next year? 30-something million? Yeah, $39 million oh. in 21-22. And he's that- making 37 this year. That's it, just – and scoring 13 points per game. And you know that that average is probably going to drop next year. Good. So you're going to be paying almost $40 million for a 10 points per game score that doesn't shoot more than 30% or barely over 30% from three, doesn't really make plays, can barely pull down rebounds, but has some name attraction, I guess, in that he's Blake Griffin. That's just uh, 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 that's kind of sad. Yeah, I hope the Pistons are making that back in merchandise and ticket sales. <laughs> I don't well, think not, so. Not no, sales, no, no ticket sales. That's tickets, definitely not yeah. ticket sales. But at least some merchandise, but oh my God, that's such a terrible contract. And he's uh, that's the last next season would be his last season on under contract, right? Or does yes. he have a, does he have a yeah twenty one twenty two season will be his last for this year. Uh, that's that huge extension that he signed with the Clippers, and then they traded him right afterwards. Yeah. So when they then they told him they they wanted him to be a franchise player, but only for a few months. Well, well, good for the Clippers. Turned out to be turned out all right for them. Not so good for, yeah. the, for the Pistons. <laughs> no, yeah, you think about it. They traded Blake Griffin to. Uh, Detroit in exchange for Tobias Harris, and then Tobias Harris winds up being one of the, the most overpaid players. I mean, not to the same extent as Blake Griffin, but that that's you, you record all these movements and transactions, and eventually you'll start to go, "What the heck is happening here?" Oh, yeah. I mean, 
good job by the from by that Clippers front office and, and building up players' value and selling just at the right moment. Moment. Yes, good point. Anyway, let's move to the third quarter, or as Heat quarter, as Heat Twitter called it, the third quarter, because this quarter was, that was probably the worst quarter of the season for Miami. Anyway, Bam, that mid-range ch jump shot. Let's let's start with something positive. That mid-range jump shot for Bam looks terrific. I love the form. He is making that consistently. But the Pistons started off the quarter with eight straight points. Vincent had five fouls by, by that point, and he had to come out of the game for Goron. And he needs to be smarter in that regard. Casey made his third triple. They're all They all came from the corner. Well, he made four threes in for the game. All from the corner, by the way. The defense started to be sloppy in the in the third quarter. They cannot defend the paint. Blake, uh, of all people, started to back back down. Started to find open cutters, which you know he's still a pretty good passer for for a big man. And the Heat went down seven. The turnovers killed us. Disaster of a quarter. Blake, who we said around thirty something percent three point shooter, made a three, and suddenly we were down eighty four to seventy. Oh, and by the way, Jeremy Grant decided to turn to prime Serge Ibaka and started block shots left and right. <laughs> uh, David, what can we say about this about this quarter? What a terrible quarter it was. Yeah, not not much. Uh, I, the third quarter has been a problem for Miami for a long time, but I, as against a team like the Pistons that had not won on the road, as you said before, had one of the worst records in the Eastern Conference. I, I think they actually at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, even yeah. with the, the eventual win, it, it's just, it, it was particularly demoralizing. And I think that's why, as you mentioned before, also, that's why the panic button was starting to get pushed, <laughs> hit with a hammer, uh, run over by the car, as anything you could do to, to get that button pushed. Yeah, it was, it was painful to watch. And that's, yeah, I, I think after that quarter, I started to officially become worried with the scene. Detroit won on a on one point. They won on a seventeen to nothing run. Spo tried to, you know, put some Chris Silva energy in there, in order yeah. to you know see if the team could come alive. And they started to come alive actually. But Rose, Derrick Rose, another one of my of my favorite players coming out when I was watching the NBA. Jesus, feels like feels like a lifetime ago. But he made a three, put Detroit up fifteen, and Detroit closed the quarter up ninety to seventy five. Then in the fourth quarter. You know, I, I I hung around. I was paying attention to see if Miami could could you know make a make a run and make this a game. But they start the Pistons started making threes, and it was a wrap by that point, ninety six to seventy five. Well, the game didn't end ninety six to seventy five. The game ended one twenty to one hundred. But I I knew that it was a wrap by then, and Miami could not shoot or defend. They had 19 turnovers up to that up to the point that I basically stopped paying attention to the game and yeah bad game overall really bad game uh David some final thoughts on the game uh no I, I think it was just a, a pretty sad showing for a team I, you thought at least I thought that with players returning to the lineup particularly a guy like bam he would provide some stability and for goron to be able to come off the bench this is the role that he's played so effectively since last season you, you thought we'd have some scoring punch but 
considering they had been out of action for a week and that the season is still so young and they haven't really had a full training camp and all the different factors that make this season so difficult for players, it just was not the best versions of them. And, and even Bam in particular, he wasn't that the problem. It was just other players and uh, they just, I don't know what happened. They, they fell apart in a way that you don't often see this team do. Yeah, it was it was really, really bad to see, really. And, well, when you went to the Twitter timeline last night, uh, there were takes flying left and right. Well, we should have traded for James Harden. Oh, well, is Bradley Beal available? Well, by the, which, by the way, I would love to have Bradley Beal on my team, but the Wizards have repeatedly said that he's not available. But so we should stop dreaming about that about that one at least for now. I hell I would say for the, for the season because I don't think the the, the Wizards are going to trade him anytime soon. Don't you think? Yeah, I've I've said so before on on my own podcast that I just unless things get even worse to the point where I mean it's a disastrous season for Washington and it might very well be. And then Beal says to him, "Look, I'm you know I know I'm under contract here." but I don't have any faith that things are going to get better next season either. This is your best opportunity to get as much value as possible. And otherwise I'm going to ruin next season as well. The same way that hardened in for Houston. And, and maybe, maybe that's the only way he could force their hand. But I, I just don't know that Beals at that point yet in his career where he's desperate to play for a contender. He's still fairly youngish. And if that's the case, maybe he can, Maybe he's optimistic that they'll find a way to turn it around. And they've, they've had some bad luck between COVID and injuries and having to trade for Russell Westbrook. It's still, you know, we were making excuses for the Heat, but the Wizards have just as many excuses. I mean, you could probably make that same argument for lots of teams around the league. So maybe from his perspective, he's still optimistic that they could do something. They are building. They've got some nice young players there in Hachimura and Avija. And I mean, maybe... Maybe they see something there down the road, and he wants to continue being a part of that Wizards organization. But other than other than him making a huge demand in midseason, I just don't see any trade happening. Yeah, I don't see it either. However, I think Miami has a trade to make. We could look at PJ Tucker in Houston, or any other player comes to mind for you, for you, David, that we can actually look at that looks that would be a realistic option. I've I've heard about Thad Young being another player that might be on the radar. Um, maybe I don't I don't even think we need anybody else. I, Isaiah Thomas is an, undra- an unsigned free agent at this point, and he happens to share an agent with Jimmy Butler. Um, maybe that's the kind of experienced scorer and ball handler that could provide a little stability. You're already concerned with defensive issues from Robinson and Hero and Dragic. I don't know that you want to bring in a guy like Thomas, who's clearly going to be a bad defender at this point in his career. So it just—I'm not sure that there's another trade out there to to pull off. But maybe some of those other teams that are in the in the bottom of the standings and might want to clear. Uh, okay, how about this? What kind of player do you think Miami needs most? Do you, they need a ball handler? Do they need a wing defender? Do they need a guy like Crowder? What's your your perspective I on would, this? I would like to see PJ Tucker come and fill in the Crowder role of last season. Yeah, he can make threes. He can defend. He's a tough guy, really tough guy. And I know he's fairly he's fairly old. He's thirty five, but he's on the last year of his contract too. And I mm-hmm. believe 
yeah, I think he's... Everybody knows that he's pretty unhappy in Houston right now. So maybe we could get him for cheap? I don't know, maybe. But I would I would definitely try. I would probably look at Houston to see what guys are you selling on right now because they might be a nice team, but they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And they looks like they struck gold with Christian Wood, but I don't think they're, they're getting rid of Christian Wood anytime soon. No, definitely not. But definitely yeah. not. I, I just I, I think they're a good candidate. I, I'm not sure. You know, I've, I've, I've had even people suggest – Hassan Whiteside? Oh, no. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the move either, but I've, you know, if you're looking at Miami's rim protection, maybe you could see yourself, you could talk yourself into saying, well, you know, he's a shot blocker, but I, I don't see that. That's not happening from the front office perspective, and I think Eric Spolster would resign on the spot if they made a trade for Hassan. Yeah, I think. Um, just think about the issues it could cause in the locker room. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know, uh, maybe you know more than, than me, but may, I, don't, I don't think Bam and him really, like, really liked each other. No, there was no tension there. There wasn't, not from a, like, a person to person. I think their overall approach to the game is clearly pretty differently because Bam is kind of intense. But I think, you know, Bam was so young, I'm sure he was able to to even learn a little bit from a guy like Hassan in his first couple of seasons. But I'm sure, he, you know, obviously Adebayo really thrived in his first season as a starter. He was never going to get that opportunity with Whiteside under contract for $25 million a year. So it was, you know, he's not sorry to see him go, but I don't think he'd have a problem with him. You know, and he got along with all those guys, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, the players that you kind of hear some things about and wonder whether or not there's chemistry issues in the locker room, there were never any chemistry issues. They just not with the not within within the team with the coaching staff. That's a whole different fra- yeah, matter. I think, as you said, Eric Spoelstra would resign on the spot. And I think Pat Riley would rather would rather jump would rather resign yeah. too than sign Hassan Whiteside. Probably probably his his worst signing as a. As a, as, as a heat front office executive. For sure. Yeah. So anyway, let's look at the positives of the week. As I said, Hero started starting to come into his own. He was really good in the two games that he played. I forgot to mention that in the Pistons game, he did not play it to the neck issue. Hope he, he's all right for tomorrow against the Pistons again. Gabe Vincent inserting himself in the rotation. Essentially, when everybody's healthy, I think he'll probably take... None will not play at all. Um, it's really sad to see none the way he is. He is falling off after having such a great rookie season. But yeah, Gabe Vincent probably took his role, his minutes, I should say. And KZ finally getting some major minutes. Uh, other positives or the of the week for you, David? Uh, I know you wanted to talk about him a little later, but I I like Duncan. I mentioned this in my most recent podcast that uh, I, I started to see him take on more of a leadership role, which is something that we're not used to seeing with him sharing the floor with guys like Jimmy and Bam and other veterans because, you know, he's still kind of t- figuring out who he is as an NBA player and and he doesn't have all that much experience, even though he's somewhat older as a, a player who does not get a lot of playing time. But he was out there, the, the voice of reason and instruction and telling guys where to go on defense and what they should do uh, you know, when they're setting screens and how to cut and things of that sort. That kind of evolution for him was a welcome sight. Yeah. So, talk, speaking of Duncan Robinson, 
He's my pick for Heat Player of the Week. Do you have any other pick, David? Uh, no, I think that was pretty clear, to be honest with you. I mean, you, you could make a case for a hero, I suppose, but given that he missed the last game, no, I, I'd say it's clearly, clearly Duncan Robinson. Yeah, well, our Heat Player of the Week for is Duncan Robinson. The average is for the week, 23 points per game, 2.7 rebounds per game, 1.7 assists per game. He shot it extremely well from, from deep. And yeah, I think it was really encouraging to see, as you said, he, him taking a, more of a leadership role and and being more of, of an effective player and coming to, into his own. A look at the week ahead. The, we have the Pistons again tomorrow on Monday. Raptors on Wednesday. And then on Friday... And Friday, excuse me, Raptors on Wednesday and Friday. And then we have the new look Brooklyn Nets on Saturday. What what do you think would be could be a realistic record prediction for the Heat this week? Realistic? Yeah. I mean, two and two. That's probably playing a little safe. I, I think they'll bounce back against the Pistons team because you'll, you'll get guys they practice today. You get Bam and Goron an opportunity to get some more experience and kind of get back into shape a little bit. And I think they'll bounce back pretty well against a team that humiliated them and embarrassed them on, on Saturday. So I think they'll get their revenge on Monday. They can take one of two from the Raptors who are going through their own issues yeah. for whatever reason. Like the, the Raptors team is very interesting because they played competitively, but they just don't seem to have it. And I know that's kind of vague, but... Their fans are going through the same crisis that Miami fans are as far as they're not quite sure what it is and what's missing, although they're kind of the same reason that people are kind of you know blasting Miami for not having a wing player like Crowder or P.J. Tucker or something like that. They're, they're going through that same issue at the center position. I mean, Aaron Baines just joined that team, and they, they want to ship him out and pay his ticket to go anywhere else. So that's not a, a good sign for a guy they just brought onto the roster. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say they'll take one of those two. I, I just don't see anybody beating Brooklyn, uh, to be honest with you, anytime soon. I think they've got so much talent there. They've got just enough depth uh, to make them a pretty dangerous team. Yeah, I would say best case scenario, three and one for the week. Ooh, that's really optimistic. Yeah, I'd I, say two and two. You could – I one and three is entirely possible. Oh, absolutely. I, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they'll have to win at least against Detroit, and maybe they can build there. But I don't even know – Jimmy's out on Monday. Avery's out on Monday. I don't know when they'll be back. And, I mean, we're looking at facing a Raptors team without Jimmy Butler potentially, and if that's the case, forget about it. And against the Nets, if if Bradley and – well, Bradley's going to be out for sure against the Nets. If Jimmy's out against the Nets, then I don't think they have any chance oh, whatsoever because there's no perimeter defense left on this team. Yeah, and there's no chance that you can, like, go bucket for bucket with with them because oh, nah, nobody's matching them offensively that's for sure there's no team I would do you think any other team ever would like could match them bucket for bucket like just say no defenses play just match them s score every time down the floor you mean currently or, or in NBA history right now and maybe NBA history because I believe the firepower of that trio is so I mean if they figure it out that's that's a death. That's a Death Star team. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty dangerous. That's for sure. I mean, it's uh, very potent offensively, and it, it probably slept on a little bit defensively. I mean, and maybe they'll just outscore people one thirty to you know one twenty, or and that'll be just enough to to pull it off. 
We'll have to see how this team performs in the playoffs. And it's not because Harden chokes in the playoffs or anything like that, but obviously defense is such a big part of what happens. They might be one more move away, and maybe they're the team that can acquire a P.J. Tucker to be that versatile defender that kind of unlocks everything there. And if that's the case, forget about it. Oh, well, if they do that, then I – well, right now they're the prohibitive favorites in the East, but I would I think that would make them even more of a favorite to come out of the East. Right now – would you say that the Larry O'Brien, O'Brien Trophy is the Lakers and the Nets to lose? Uh, you know, I, I still think Milwaukee might have a chance at it. I, I think they've done enough to kind of tweak the roster, and it looks like Budenholzer is finally making adjustments with this roster. Drew Holiday's fit in pretty well there, I, I guess. I mean, Milwaukee and Brooklyn are right now the two best teams in the East. That's pretty clear. And then from there, I think the Lakers, well, I mean, they've looked pretty unstoppable so far. Uh, And I think, yeah. They've been mostly on cruise control. Yeah. Yeah, so early in the season. And that's, you know, I – a lot of people are, are panicking about Miami, and I think part of the reason is that you look at the Lakers and they're doing so well. But I, I mentioned this yesterday during and after the game. I mean, they won the championship. They got all the energy they could possibly want because they could just look back and say, you know what, we won. We did everything. And on top of that, they brought in some new fresh faces to help provide a lift, a boost. You know, they got guys like Dennis Schroeder and, and Wesley Matthews and others, and Montrez Harrell. Guys that didn't win that title last year and are hungry to do so. And that's a big shift in the energy for Miami, who basically ran this whole team back from last year with the exception of, you know, they lost Eric Jokes Jr. They lost Jay Crowder, but they brought in Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless. Harkless isn't even playing. There's no energy there. Bradley's been out for so much of the season. So it's like you're not getting any new fresh blood, you know? And and, and so this just team, this looks, they look beaten. All, all one month into the season already. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, the first the first game of the season, I I preached patience with Parkless, but yeah, it looks like a bust right now. Yeah, that signing uh, for sure. It's yeah, it's sad. I, I was hoping he could contribute a bit more. Bradley has been more much more encouraging, but as he, as he said, he hasn't played all that much. And yeah, let's just hope that we all get healthy. Anyway, David, where can we find you? Uh, well, you can always find me on my personal Twitter account at DRamil13. I tweet more about the league in general from there, but if you're looking for more Heat-related content, you can always uh, subscribe to Locked on Heat uh, whenever you find podcasts, and you can always follow me on Twitter at Locked on Heat. Yeah, well, David, thank you so much for coming. I had a really great time talking to you. So, to our audience, thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a five-star review and a short and a, a short review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your masks, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week. Bye-bye. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started.
Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.